Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship to all who would stand for the reformation of Christ's church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. We are a ministry of union. Welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. My name is Justin Schell, your host. We're so glad you've decided to join us here. We hope that your time with us causes you to delight in God, grow in Christ, serve the church, and bless the world. That's what we are all about here. And we are in the middle of interacting with Pastor Dane Ortland from Naperville Presbyterian Church. We've had two wonderful conversations in our previous episodes. Please go back and listen to those if you haven't already. But this third and final conversation with Dane is we're going to look at the book Gentle and Lowly after a year and a half. What that means is a year and a half ago, Dane's book Gentle and Lowly was published by Crossway. And if you are at all aware of the book, you probably know the kind of reach and impact it's had in the church, around the world. And so we're just going to look back over these 18 months with Dane, look at what God has done, try to guess at why it is the Lord has used gentle and lowly in the way that he has. So it's going to be an interesting and a fun conversation. We're going to give thanks to God for doing what only he can do. So let's jump in right now. Well, Dane, welcome back for one more conversation here on the Reformation Fellowship. Appreciate you giving us not just one, but three conversations. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad to do it. You're most welcome, Justin. Mm. Two episodes ago, we talked about um, the first year of a pastor and, and learned from your experience there. And, and then uh, as you had preached through Galatians this past year, we talked about in the second conversation, feeding on and preaching Galatians. And this third conversation, we're going to transition from your ministry there as a pastor, preacher at Naperville Prez Mm -hmm. to look at a book you've written. Mm. And uh, maybe our readers know of Gentle and Lowly, and maybe they don't, but we're going to talk about that that book, Gentle and Lowly, which is now at about a year and a half old. (laughs) Mm. Um, Could you maybe, to begin the conversation, just share your own journey in writing Gentle and Lowly? What made you want to write it? What, what was the process like for you? Um, I read uh, Thomas Goodwin on the Heart of Christ in 2013 and thought, holy smoke, maybe Jesus is actually quite different than I realized. Or not different, but just uh, much deeper, more wondrously uh, comforting and, and, and near and embracing than I realized. Mm-hmm. And so I kept reading more I ordered his works kept reading more Goodwin got into Sibs and I was already into Owen a little bit but got back into Owen and and Bunyan uh and I, I found a consistent refrain mm. through all these guys but especially uh Goodwin and on the heart of God and of Christ and I thought wow we are not talking about this today mm. and so I went to Justin Taylor the book publisher across I said hey I got a book idea uh, here's what it is, and I'd like to write it in 20 years, in my 60s. And he said, um, okay. And we kept talking about it, and 
eventually, uh, after about a, I don't know, uh, 10 or 12 months of discussions, he said, you know, Dane, you really, it's kind of presumptuous of you to think that you're A, going to be alive at that point, and B, going to have this still um, a glow in your own heart. So why don't you just try to do it now? So I, I submitted to that council and mm. wrote up a proposal and sent it to Crossway. They accepted it, and I wrote the book. And it was really just a, I wrote that book to me as much as to anyone, mm. um, because I need this message, and we're not talking about it the way a past generations have uh and so i just wanted to uh invite some others to go on this journey with me into the heart of god and of christ which is right there in the scripture this is nothing uh nothing speculative or philosophical it's right there in the scripture and i think we have drawn insufficient strength from the heart of god and of christ so i just wanted to help us do that Mm. so Help us understand that a little bit more. You said we're not talking about this, um, and mm-hmm. so this warm, yeah, this affectionate nearness, the 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 condescension uh, and goodness in the goodness of God towards towards His people. Why do you think we're not? And are are we talking about something else that's maybe counteracting that, or or what do you think? Well, there has been a wonderful recovery of the gospel of grace in our generation, as there must be um, in every generation. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I look at the conferences and coalitions, the books and the blogs, the websites and the authors, I see such a glorious recovery across evangelical denominations, not just in one quarter of the church, of mm-hmm. the recovery of the gospel in the Baptist, the Presbyterian, the Anglican world, the Ephraim world, uh, and so on. Okay, great. But it has largely been a recovery of the objective side of the gospel, the black and white side of the gospel, which is glorious. And we, we must recover that. Mm-hmm. But there's also a subjective side. If I can put it this way, there's not only the formula of the gospel, there's the person of the gospel. It's not only uh, the gospel not only has skeleton, skeletal structure, it also has a beating heart. And I think that we have uh, emphasized the former to the neglect of the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, in our generation. So I, I wanted to just push real hard on the latter, the subjective, the affective side of the gospel, which is a person. I mean, Sinclair Ferguson writes in a couple of his books and says, grace is not a thing. That's Roman Catholic theology. Grace is not a thing. Actually, there's a person. Grace mm-hmm. comes to us no more, no less than in the Savior himself, the friend of sinners. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was what I was really trying to burrow into, tunnel into, and um, and celebrate in the book. Mm, yeah. Well, the the book is now a year and a half old, and I wanted to look at the impact it's had so far. I I've done a little bit of research. I think there's been uh, over three hundred and fifty thousand copies sold. Many many more given away. Um, there there just seems to be. Um, blog post and review and and just people talking about the impact um, it's had in their life or in their church when you look back over these 18 months what what goes through your head first astonishment wonder yeah. awe mm-hmm. uh, apparently God had something he wanted to say to the church and he said 
just to make sure everyone knows it's not about the human author, but it's about my heart. God said, I'm not going to do this through John Piper or Paul Tripp. I'm going to take this doofus in Naperville and we're going to send this book out. Um, and it's simply going to be through and according to the scripture with the coaching and help of the Puritans. Um, I'm amazed. My stuff doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, God, God did this. And so praise his name. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm astonished. I'm, uh, I'm deeply gratified that people are getting help from this project. Um, yeah. I'm gratified um, secondarily for Crossway's sake, but I'm so glad that the book uh, worked for them because I love Crossway and it came out right as I was leaving a decade of work there. But primarily, I'm gratified at the way it is helping people get aligned mm. with, get traction with who Jesus really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that is, uh, I, I am so thankful to the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Now I've had friends here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as well as some friends around the, around the country and, and uh, even around the world. Often their response to, beginning to read it is a, a few chapters in they're they're asking <laughs> things like is, is this is this right is this um is is god really this good but what but what about what what i do what about the, um it's almost as if uh, we have a a deeply embedded um piece of us as humanity that uh struggles yeah. It just struggles to believe that that Christ could be so good, could be so lovely. What kind of an, an impact on the lives of people you know personally have you seen? I agree with everything you said in the premise of your question, brother. Uh, one way to understand Genesis 3 is the fall entrenched dark thoughts of God in our minds Mm-hmm. And we don't realize how deep they are. We don't realize that it takes a lifetime. And we're only, on the day I die, I will only have dug out a modest amount of those wrong, dark thoughts of God, that bad theology about what his heart really is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we are, we're deeply resistant to the notion that it is in my regions of deepest darkness, shame, anguish, regret, and pain that the heart of Christ is drawn strongest that that's where he loves most to be i dwell in the high and holy place isaiah 15 uh, 57 uh, and the other place i dwell is with him who is of a lowly and contrite spirit who is distressed and destitute i dwell way up high oh yeah and the other place i dwell is not just below way up high the other place i dwell is way down low we Mm. accept the first but not the second it is mm-hmm. natural and intuitive to us to believe he is a God of might and majesty. Uh, and we need to keep teaching people that and celebrating that and singing about that. It's natural to us. Uh, yeah. It's not natural to us that he loves drawing way down low in our messiness and filth. That is not natural to us. So, um, But it's there in the scripture, mm-hmm. Old Testament and New. In fact, the prophets of the Old Testament might say it even more <laughs> clearly than anywhere else in the whole Bible. So, mm. uh, so that's worth exulting yeah. in. Yeah. And have you, you know, I've talked about some, some folks I, I've heard from. I'm sure you've heard from whether friends or, or people emailing or, or, or tweeting. Um, what, what's been maybe one or two of your 
contacts that people have made with you, let me put it that way, that have just been the most encouraging for you? Oh, my goodness. A couple of people have written me said uh, said they would be dead if they hadn't read the book. They were they were suicidal mm. and were intending to kill themselves. But the book, mm. uh, God used the book. One dear brother wrote me his uh, two year old son stumbled next door into the neighbor's backyard and into their swimming pool and drowned. Oh. And that day, he told me he received a copy of Gentle and Lowly and began reading that day. And uh, wound up preaching his son's funeral service with excerpts of the book and so on. It was profoundly moving, mm. profoundly moving to me, mm. uh, tear-inducing. Um, so that's a, a, a couple. Um, but really, brother, I mean, just the, the, the everyday, ordinary testimony of, I didn't realize Jesus was this good. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is a Christ I can enjoy being a disciple to. Uh, that that is actually just as glorious. Yeah. We've kind of talked about my next question, but I wonder if you could, could talk a little bit more about it. Why do you think the book has had such an impact on people? I think because people believe that sincere, faithful, God-honoring, Bible-reading, church-attending Christians believe that they have uh, exhausted Christ. What I mean by that mm. is they believe they they've pretty much got him figured out. Mm. They've um, they they know who he is, and at the same time, they're also a little. If they will admit it, they're kind of bored with him. Uh, they're they're not bored by the news or by their favorite sports team or their kids, but they're kind of bored with Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, to overstate it, uh, they're thankful for him. They love him. They want to honor him. They want to keep learning about him, read books about him. But you know, they they've been there, done that. But actually, in the same way that Columbus hit the Indies and thought he had hit, uh, or rather hit, hit the Caribbean and thought he had hit the, you know, uh, China, Japan, and, and Asia, and therefore called it the Indies, in the same way, we don't realize that there are vast tracts, vast regions of unexplored, uncharted regions to Christ. Mm. Just like there was a whole continent that we call North America today that Columbus didn't realize the world was much bigger than it was. We do that with Jesus. And I think, um, I think one way to understand what God is doing through this project is he's helping people to see, oh my goodness, holy smoke, there is so much glory here I didn't know about. And that we've, we've, we've read over it in the scripture, but actually uh, there's so much there. So I, I, that would be one way, I think, mm. to, to put it, Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this um, this um, subjective look at the gospel, as you called it, or this affective theology um, that you've tried to unpack here, that the Puritans uh, were seem to be <laughs> masters of, at least some mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. Um, and we see we see that in some of the reformers. And, and in through the medieval church and into Augustine and the church fathers as well. Do you think uh, when you look at the church today, do you think we're starting to recover this? And do, do you see it in, in some of the, the writings of others, some of the, the preaching of others, uh, this recovery of, of this aspect of, of the gospel? Oh, I, I wish I could answer that with a resounding yes, but I'm too ignorant because what I see is just such a small, tiny, tiny slice mm -hmm. of all of reality 
end of the church. So uh, it was helpful to be in Christian publishing the last 10 years and to see a little bigger slice than I would otherwise see. But I don't know. I hope so. I pray for that. I long for that, as I know you do. Um, but, uh, but who knows? All we can do is be faithful in the little things, the little ordinary things that are right before us. And maybe God would grant us the blessing and privilege and honor of being a part of that happening, what you just described, a widespread embrace and enjoyment of the heart of God and of Christ. Um, but I don't know. I hope so. Mm. Uh, but I would, I would be speaking beyond my knowledge to say anything more than that. Yeah. Before we get back to our conversation, we want to let you know how you can become a member of the Reformation Fellowship. You've heard our heart here in interviews. You, you hear it every time a new episode opens up. You hear we, we're here to gather like-minded, like-hearted gospel ministers to know one another, to encourage one another, and to partner together for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. That's what we're about. And if that's your heart, you can go to reffellowship.org and register free membership. That gets you access to some some discounts, some free goodies, access to, we're going to do some live, live conversations through Zoom with church leaders, with leading theologians and scholars as well. So go there to, to find out all about the benefits of membership, but I do want to draw your attention to one more benefit. March 22nd, 2022, in Naperville, Illinois, we're going to host a Reformation Fellowship gathering. It is a gathering for members of the fellowship and special invitees only, so we hope you'll join the fellowship, and we also hope you will consider joining us for what we're calling the Welcome to the Fellowship Gathering. This is a gathering of pastors, planters, theologians, and leaders seeking to know and encourage each other, as well as to consider an invitation to greater gospel unity and partnership. The schedule will include plenary addresses by leaders such as Michael Reeves, Dane Orland, and Dustin Binge, as well as specific times for intentional networking and fellowship. It's a one-day gathering hosted by Naperville Presbyterian Church there in Naperville, Illinois. Again, go to reffellowship.org to join the Reformation Fellowship and to find details about the Welcome to the Fellowship gathering. That's March 22nd, 2022. We hope you put it on your calendar and we hope to see you there. Let me ask another question and, and feel free to, to, uh, <laughs> to, to um, plead ignorance as well. But when you, I know you've, obviously we've talked about the, the Puritans primarily here, uh, but when you look back at, at church history, you look back at the move of God mm-hmm. in various generations, um, how, did, how did in those moments we recover this, this aspect? Well, the, at the broadest, most eternal theological level, God poured out his spirit all over again at his own divine initiative. Now, dropping down one level into, into human means, um, uh, this, as I understand the history of revivals and renewing in Christ's church, it happened when, um, uh, broadly speaking, when there was a concerted return to the truths of the gospel as found in the scripture. 
Mm. Um, not in philosophical thinking, not in cultural trends, uh, not in anything else. And, um, and actually, re- revival has come, both George Whitfield and John Wesley, about the First Great Awakening in 1740 to 42, transatlantic, said that the, the, uh, independently, they both said that there were two key doctrines that fueled the Great Awakening. Doctrine number one, justification by faith alone. Doctrine number two, regeneration, the new birth. Mm-hmm. So those two key doctrines, that's pretty striking, actually, because justification is something we talk about a lot today. We do not talk much about the new birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a there's a takeaway for all of us there. But uh, so those two doctrines, certainly, um, historically, as I in my in my understanding of church history, Justin, are are key to a recovery of life, health, energy, vigor um, in the church of God. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. May he give give us such a season. Mm. Amen. Mm. Well, I know that um, you've talked a lot about uh, Gentle and Lowly over the last few months um, on podcasts and, um, and conversations, interviews. Um, but I know that there's a few new resources that have been in the works to mm. hopefully help God's people uh, get the most out of out of the book. Can you tell us a little bit about what's been going on there? Mm. In about 10 days, a book called In the Lord I Take Refuge will release from Crossway, which is 150 devotions on the psalm. So the ESV text of the psalm, and then just a couple paragraphs, wringing it dry, building a little bridge from that psalm into the human heart uh, and, and, um, and who Jesus is. So that's something that I hope is a deep blessing to people. Uh, but the project that, that has been in the works at greater length and which I've really, really poured my heart into is something coming out in, oh boy, now I don't know if it's September or October, I think September, mid-September, called Deeper. The title is Deeper, subtitle, uh, Real Change for Real Sinners. It's a book on sanctification. How do we grow in Christ? Real change for real sinners, as opposed to um, be- merely behavioral change for theoretical sinners. Mm-hmm. If we are actual, if I am actually sinning my way through life, uh, is there a way for me to actually grow? And there is out of uh, the scripture gives us um, uh, the truths of how we get get going in the Christian life. And uh, so that is uh, a project that I've, I really enjoyed doing and uh, labored over. And I, I'm very pleased with how it came out, how Crossway has handled it. So mm. um, I'm grateful for that. It will also come out in a concise edition uh, called How Does God Change Us, which is the same book whittled back to about mm. one third the length. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know that you said this, but I, I think I've seen someone tweet. Maybe this is they're calling that 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 person at least calling it a follow up to gentle and lowly. How do you mm-hmm. see those relating to each other? Yes, I do see them in that way, brother. Um, gentle and lowly is who is Jesus. Deeper is given who he is. How do we now begin to grow? Mm-hmm. So what uh, one is leading into the other. I'm hoping one day. Uh, to do a, a third book, which would be on heaven, which would be what, what, who is Jesus forever for us? Mm. But this is so it's sort of coming into Christ. Who is He, uh, and, and for for who is He for our whole lives long? But then now, how does who He is actually ignite and sustain transformation? Mm. 
which we all long for. We all long to be growing more than we are. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, the two are our natural uh, bedfellows. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would want our listeners to know, uh, I believe the, the study guide for Gentle and Lowly, and there's a, a journal as well. Could you yes. tell us just briefly about those? Oh, thank you. Yes, there's a study guide for it, a journal for it, and a video curriculum that we did at Crossway. So those there are mm. some ancillary products to help people uh, engage the, the content and really enjoy what Christ's heart is. Yep. Yeah. I know um, our church here in Tulsa, uh, many of our missional communities uh, during the during the pandemic, during the lockdown, where you were going through gentle and lowly, and mm. a few a few times, maybe more than a few times, people in our missional community asked as we were each taking turns leading conversation on one chapter. Uh, we were asked, "Is there a study guide that we oh. could use?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's good news. I, I know it's going to serve a lot of uh, a lot of just that kind of small group, missional community in oh, churches. So. so that's wonderful to hear. As we, um, as we wrap up this conversation around gentle and lowly, we've, we've discussed effective, warm, subjective experience of the gospel. Mm. Uh, we've discussed the book's impact and your, your own astonishment at, at that any encouragement for our readers or maybe just uh, share encouragement that you've received? Yeah, thank you for that, Justin. Well, it's uh, this has been such a joy talking with you. And I would just say um, discipline yourself with re- with regard to this project, General Lilly, or what you're seeing in the scripture about the heart of God in the Old Testament, the heart of Christ in the New. Discipline yourself. Have the discipline to open up your own heart to allow this to possibly be true <laughs> to loom large let your have the freedom and the audacity to believe it yeah. let him be this big of a christ to you this is this rugged of a christ this um, it is not dishonoring to christ to let him love you like this jonathan edwards would say let him love you uh, mm. it is dishonoring to christ to think that you need to leverage or help out his love for you, his heart for you. So um, it is honoring to him to let him be the Christ and the all-sufficient Savior uh, for sinners and sufferers that he is and wants to be. Uh, that's not wrong of you. It may feel morally serious <laughs> but, um, to resist uh, and to to diminish his heart for you, but you have the you are free to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Well, Dane, thank you once again for joining us on the Reformation Fellowship podcast, giving us uh, not just your time for one conversation, but now three. We uh, They've been so rich. They've been fun. And um, we're praying for you and your ministry there in Naperville and um, look forward to maybe having you back on the podcast sometime in the in the days ahead. Well, that would be such a joy to do, Justin. It's always talking a joy talking with you um, in this kind of context or privately. You're a good friend. Thank you for all that you do. We're so glad you've joined us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. 
We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, in all those places, do not hesitate to reach out. Let us know how we can serve you, pray for you, serve your churches in any way possible. God bless.